Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Hello, everybody. It's Kristen Lindsay. How you doing? How are you doing? Hello, everybody. <laughs> so glad you're here. I know there's a lot of podcasts and audio to choose from. So we really appreciate you tuning into Almost 30 Podcast. It means a lot to Lindsay and I. And I hope you feel our heart and intention of helping you feel less alone and helping support you in your evolution. Yeah, truly. I've been hearing from a lot of you. Now that I'm in New York, I feel like people are coming out of the woodwork. They're like, can we get together? They're like trying to start a tour. They're yes, trying to start a tour with yes, us. Yes, yes. They're like, can you guys do in person in the park? Maybe. Retreat. Yeah. They're like, what about retreat? I was like, oh my God, I was unwell at the last retreat because I just was like, totally didn't understand like boundaries and bled my energy to death. <laughs> Because I just wanted people to have the best time. So I feel a lot better. I'd be down. Do you guys want to plan it for us? I was like, yeah, let's meet in the park. Let's freaking have a park show. (laughs) I think people ask and they expect us to say no, but I'm always like, sure. I know. (laughs) Like, it's always like, whenever I remember, whenever I've met people on the street, they're like, I've got to go. Cause I'm like, so tell me about your life. Like I want to just like get to know them. They're like, I actually have somewhere to be. Totally. They're actually, they're shocked that we're like, yeah, yeah I have time. They're freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> they say they're like, I know you get tons of emails and DMS. I'm like, not that much. <laughs> yeah. I actually go through them. Yeah. Get, yeah. get them yeah, all done like, in I a fully, day. I fully reply. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I get them. <laughs> I get to them. Um, yeah. The season changes felt really, really really nice. But um, Lindsay and I were talking before. So we were on this podcast yesterday. We did a podcast with these girls. Ruby is the podcast. And they are in high school. So they are literally like 15 and 16. And I was crying. I'm in a cry zone in my life where I just cry a lot. But I just felt so moved at how smart they were, how intentional they were. And it gave me hope for Mm -hmm. younger generations, I could not believe how amazing these girls were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not only their questions, but like the reflections of what we, how we would like our answers, you know, they would just critically think and really have such a heart centered way of, you know, directing the conversation. And I was just thinking about what I was thinking about at their age. And I was like, hmm. Same. Wow. You know, no, no judgment, no judgment, but like (laughs) completely, completely different. And yeah, to your point, I think it just gives, gives me so much hope. I think like with each generation, there is kind of this devailing and consciousness coming out to play. And yeah, it was such a beautiful, beautiful conversation. Uh, Eden and Sam, one's a junior, one's a senior in high school. And we were talking about that. Um, I'm sure you all remember like that pressure when you're a senior and everyone's like, no, you should go here. No, you should do this. No, you should have this on your resume. You need to do this. You need to write this letter and get this form of recommendation. It's like, what? So stupid. I remember I applied. (laughs) Uh, I applied to Columbia. Dude, okay. my list was ridiculous. My- <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing my ass off of you applying to Columbia. But I think I did it as like an ego thing. And I was like, I'm applying to Columbia. And the admissions letter was, what would you do with an industrial size tub of mustard? That was the question. That's what the Ivy Leagues do. 
That's literally oh, what they do because they're like, DGAF, you're not getting in. So tell me about the mustard. <laughs> and they're also like, we want to prove that they're outside of the box thinkers, but they're some of the most like, yes. just like the most like liberal college programming ever. So they're like, and that's how like, out of touch they are where it's like there's a lot of shit that we could actually write an essay on that might be helpful yes where they're like hey make this mustard sexy and interesting like tell us all about it and it's like there's actually like essays that could be really valuable to critically think about but they're Mm -hmm. like yeah mustard i think i i don't know if i actually i think that maybe stopped me no, you definitely a, wrote an essay on mustard. Yeah, Let's be real. Hilarious essay. <laughs> I think I actually did, and it probably was the worst piece of shit in the whole world. Because I do actually, I do remember writing it. Because I was like, because <laughs> you're just you're just putting on a front. Yeah, like the whole thing is a front. So the whole time I'm like putting on the front of like being incredibly creative about this, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna let my creativity fly and like and you're like i'm gonna donate the tub of mustard too (laughs) i was like i'm gonna have a fair and at the i don't even know what it was but yeah the college process and the or the process that they're in i just feel so completely compelled by and same with you where it's like that part of my life felt really challenging and odd and i'm so grateful that they were asking the right questions Mm -hmm. like is college the right decision is it meaningful for me to go to the same college everyone goes to? Can I take a gap year? Like, what should I be doing with my life and how should I be thinking about my life if I'm not wanting it to look like everyone else's and I want it to feel unique to me? What decision should I be making? And I loved the statement that Eden made, you know, when we were talking about what advice we'd give to our younger selves, which is something that we've been asked many times, but it's different when we're thinking about our high school selves. And I don't know if we were laughing about ourselves or what, but she made this really profound statement about, she's like, you know, if we, if our younger selves knew that we were laughing at them or making fun of them or judging them, they'd be crushed. And I was like Mm -hmm. blown away. I'm still blown away by that sentiment because I'm like the queen of like, and I, we, we do it. Like we were just sending each other pictures of us like a year ago, laughing at ourselves. And we're the queen of like laughing at ourselves, making fun of ourselves, looking back and being like, Oh my God, what a loser. Or like, what a freak or all these things. And I really rang true where I was like, dang, I would be heartbroken Mm -hmm. if I knew that I was like being made fun of by my future self. Like, Yes. And especially someone that like I now would look up to. Like if I was in high school and I knew who I was now, I'd be like, wow, she's cool. Like mm-hmm. I look up to her. And mm-hmm. if I knew that I was making fun of me, oh my God, it was like shocking. I know. I know. Yeah. It's, and I think it's, it's just like our way of, or people's way of like making light of, because there's lots going on. Like if I look at, at a picture of myself when I was 16, it's like, yeah, you can comment on the fashion and the this, but it's like, there was a lot going on. There's a lot going on at home. There's a lot going on with boys. There's a lot going on at school. Like, it's so layered. And I think that's, it's just like a cheaper way to be like, eh, eh, loser. But it's like, damn, she was caring a lot. Caring a lot. Mm-hmm. I need to find a picture of myself when I was 16. Cause I honestly, I don't really feel like I know what I even looked like or what I was. Mm jeans on that's for sure oh for sure i was with that like 
that one inch like show of the, you know, you'd have like kind of a shorter shirt on from Abercrombie or Hollister, but like the lower jeans. The fact that like my thong was out for every teacher to see. Was it really? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was like, you would sit in class and like strategically move. So your thong would be shown because it was like, this is maybe an Ohio thing. Maybe I'm fucking insane, but everyone had like different thongs they would wear every single day from like Charlotte Russe and you'd have it be shown. Oh my God. (laughs) How old are you? I was fucking like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. It was a little different at my old girl's school. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's Ohio thing. Like we were just, we were the funniest thing. This is so funny. Me and my friend, we were in eighth grade and we took pictures on a Polaroid camera in our bathing suits outside Mm -hmm. because we were like trying to be cool and sexy. And we went and got them developed in Walgreens called her mom because she thought that it was like child pornography. Oh, (laughs) they wouldn't wouldn't release the photos because they thought it was like kid porn. I mean... That's kind of cool, Walgreens. Dude. And her mom's like, are you doing porn? You know, I know, actually respect, dude, 100%. They're like stopping it in its tracks. But it was just us being like, oh my God, dude, what is life? And I can't imagine the pressure that girls have now for that kind of stuff. Oh my God. And just mm-hmm. like the the types of the types of selfies that people are taking, oh like just, God. yeah, it's it's a lot. But Eden and Sam, I mean truly giving us hope and have an incredible podcast. Like it's really, really good. There's a podcaster in our current accelerator group as well. And she has a teen mental health podcast. Um, she It's called She Persisted. And yeah, it's weird that we're kind of like coming across these like younger generations starting podcasts and they're really profound. They're really impactful and very heart-centered. So... More, That's more, my more. dream. Mm-hmm. Like I just was crying when they were talking because they're like, we just really look up to you and we've learned so much from you. And they were also saying uh, just about how we show up online. They're like, I just really appreciate the way you carry yourself online and the way you show up. And I'm like, to impact people around our age means a lot. But to impact people in the phase in life where you are impressionable and where it actually changes you for your future is like another level. Yes. Of, of life and I could not be more grateful. And it made me be really mindful. It made me want to be more mindful about mm. what I'm saying, how I'm showing up, how I'm delivering things. And even this, this is kind of a side note, I've been getting this message about um, just from my guides or from my higher self about not cussing, mm-hmm. <laughs> about like taking a little cussing sabbatical. And I was thinking, I'm like, oh, maybe that's like part of it. But yeah, just mm-hmm. this was basically all to say that have hope for the younger generation. I felt really inspired after that conversation. And I just felt, yeah, I felt really taken care of for our future. Like I was like, wow, if you guys are like a sign of what's to come, I'm really excited. Yeah. And their agency really, I was like, whoa, you're Mm going to decide to take a gap year and like, you're not going to listen to what anyone else has to say. Like, you're just really going to follow your intuition on that. Like, I thought that was just such a sign too, that you know, these younger generations are actually thinking for themselves. Yes. You know? And even asking the questions, they're like, okay, so we go to college and then what? And Mm -hmm. like, then we get jobs and then what? Like, 
just like being aware and cognizant of the wheel and the trap that we fall into of like, get into this college and be happy, then get this job and be happy, make this much money and be happy, get a promotion Mm -hmm. and be happy, like buy a house and be happy, get married and be happy. It's like, no, there's always if, if then, and Mm -hmm. life isn't if then, like it's not if then it's now. And so when we can catch people before they sort of get even more deeply programmed or, or more deeply into the cycle of thinking that their life is not complete until they achieve this thing that society tells them, it's so profound. Yes. Yes. So thank you. Thank you both, Eden and Sam. Listen to their podcast, Ruby on Ruby. Apple Podcasts. Today's episode, mm-hmm. today's episode is one that... I'm excited about this one too. So this is something that I probably get in the DMs more than anything. And I have more people asking me this on my Instagram whenever I do Q&As related to relationships and related to the feeling that you are evolving or you are growing or you are awakening and your partner is not. Feeling like you might not have a partner that is on the same spiritual path as you and unsure of what to do. And so I wanted to just dig into this more on a solo episode and talk about my experience with Justin, talk about my experience in other relationships and just talk about like a higher level perspective of the way that I believe or perceive that we should be thinking about this sort of thing and my advice for people on this subject because... I wanted to explain it in more detail than just doing like an Instagram story about it because I think it's worth its own conversation and its own thought and its own research on some of the great leaders and thinkers that I look up to, what they perceive or say about this sort of situation. Yeah, I think this is a really, really important one. And I feel like we've brought it up throughout the years, but we haven't yeah. had like a place to really go deep on and it. And you guys just didn't listen. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we brought it up over the years. You guys just keep on asking. <laughs> but I think, like you know, on the quote spiritual path, it's like the human can find so many reasons to be like lonely and frustrated by it. And I think through relationship that sometimes happens, where the relationship itself is like part of the path, you know, and we try to make it more spiritual, even though it already is spiritual. You know, it's like this whole thing. <laughs> I just think it's like so funny. It's like women and girls and myself included. It's Mm -hmm. like we do something and we're like, okay, everybody get on board. We're all meditating every morning. Like (laughs) I love my morning routine. It is powerful and we're all doing it. And if you're not, you know, it's like that whole communal part of us, that Mm -hmm. whole bossy part of us, that whole fear too of, and I think that's really what it is, that fear of like, the depth and multidimensionality of us and the wildness in us and how that may mean that we never find a partner that could match us in that way. Because when we think about like us and our most expressed, expansive, powerful self, it's hard to think about having a match for that. Mm -hmm. That is that same energy. So it's like understanding how we can rethink partnership or rethink spirituality in in so many ways. So yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to explore this conversation with you all. And you know, again, this is just my perspective. This is just my opinion. This is just what I've learned. But I'm hopeful that it helps the people that have been in conversation with us about it. And again, this applies to, you know, heterosexual rea- heterosexual relationships, homosexual relationships, whatever relationship you're be- you're in with whoever, mm-hmm. whatever human you decide to be with, this is what it applies to. I'm speaking to my relationship as a woman who dates men. And so I just wanted to like call that out that mm-hmm. this applies to anything. Truly. 
Thank you all for listening. As always, we appreciate you. You're the best. We love you. If you're new to the podcast, you know, welcome. Dig in. Uh, we we cover it all <laughs> over the years. We've covered so many different topics and have spoken to hundreds of just the world's, you know, true leaders and way showers and uh, just really cool human beings. And um, yes. I'm feeling really lucky to to be able to continue to share those with you. So subscribe so that all of your podcasts, episodes get in your inbox immediately and follow us on Instagram at almost30podcast. Uh, I am at Lindsay Simsic and Krista is at it's Krista. We are on there. It is us talking to you in the DM. So cannot wait to connect with you. Major announcement from Almost 30. We are hosting Space Camp on January 28th. This is our favorite event of the year. Camp Almost 30 has gotten a little bit of a rebrand because we were feeling like, I think we're ready to really go there (laughs) with our community. So we are welcoming guests who we feel have really taken us to a whole other planet in our interviews and in our conversations with them. So guests like Brie Melanson, she is going to be doing a workshop on psychic development, find and tap into your gifts. She is a teacher and channel and one who has really been such a support and teacher for Chris and I throughout the years. We are welcoming Jordan Younger. So she is going to help us find our galactic Origins. She is the podcast host of the Balanced Blonde podcast. She's an author. She's a spiritual teacher. We're also welcoming Lee Harris, who recently was on the podcast in a two-part episode, and he is going to channel the Z's live for us. How special. He does not do this often, so we feel very, very, very lucky. And we will also be welcoming Sandra Walter. So she is going to be teaching on Ascension 101, the crystalline grid and higher realm support. She is so special. She's a light worker and teacher and has been on the podcast. And Krista and I are going to be sharing a very, very, very special experience, heavenly coated Reiki infused sound bath. And I'm excited for you all to join us. So this is happening on January 28th from 10 to 2 p.m. PST. Make sure you sign up. Space is limited, but it's absolutely free. Absolutely free. We're excited to welcome you. And this is the kickoff to membership opening. So membership is going to be open indefinitely now. So you can join membership for six months at a time and really, really focus uh, and support your growth. It is our favorite place to just come and be ourselves and really get super intimate with you all, more intimate than on the podcast. So I'm excited for you all to join the membership, but head to almost30.com slash space dash camp. That's almost30.com slash space dash camp, space dash camp. (laughs) Say that 30 times. Almost30.com slash space dash camp to sign up for camp. Absolutely free. We will see you on January 28th. This one is coming in hot. I am so excited. I get very excited to record my solos. But this one, I tell you, I just couldn't be happier, honey. I'm flipping my hair back if you're watching on YouTube. Because this is the question I get the most of any question 
in my DMs or when I meet the community in person, I'm going to let you guess what it is. So you can just guess in your mind what it is. Probably like, what's her skincare routine? Or like, what's her workout routine? My God, how does she do it all? It's amazing. Yes, that for sure. But also, how do I deal with my partner? Or how do I deal with in my relationship if my partner is not spiritual? Or if my partner is not on a spiritual path, or if I feel like I am more spiritual than my partner, or I feel like we're not in the spirituality journey together, how do I deal? What do I do? How do I handle it? I'm feeling like this is happening within my relationship. And I love this question so much because there are so many different ways we can go with it. And I think a lot of the answers that I have found over time are more surprising than we think. And I have felt like I've gone through this journey on my own. So during our conversation today, together, what I would like to do is go through just my previous relationships and sort of how I saw this manifest in my life personally. And I'd love to talk about what's happening. Like overall, from a spiritual perspective, what is actually happening in the situation where you're having your awakening and your partner is not and you feel like you're growing apart in a way. I'd also love to talk about just some do's and don'ts. So during this time, this is what I suggest you should be doing. And these are some things I probably wouldn't do or I'd probably avoid. And then I do want to definitely talk about red flags. So things that we should not overlook in this process and might be a reason for you to potentially end the relationship. Break up with them, honey. I love a good I love a good breakup solution. I love how simple and quick. It's like just leave them. Just leave them in the dust. But those would only apply um in red flag situations. So for me in my relationship, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I love you already, but I was someone that I'm someone that's married, just got married in May, so I know all the freaking answers to this. Kidding. But I'm someone that was I've been in a lot of long-term relationships. That's sort of how I'm designed is being in long-term relationships. I learn a lot when I'm being it, when I'm in long-term relationships, especially with men. That's my that's my choice of partner is a man. And I was in a relationship in college and then after college for a really long time. And this was sort of where I saw this happening in that relationship where I felt like I was having my spiritual awakening in my early 20s. I was choosing to not drink. I was meditating. I was reading spiritual texts. I was doing Reiki. I was going to Buddhist centers. I was becoming vegetarian. I was transforming my life and I was transforming my outlook. And I was really, really changing very rapidly. And I was in this relationship where I felt like we were never really going deep. And I'm someone that... Mercury's in Aquarius. I've got my moon in Sag, Scorpio's in Pluto, like most of you. And I am deep as fuck. That's why I do this podcast because it allows me to be deep every time and almost every day. But I felt like we weren't connecting very deeply and intimately. And I felt like there was parts of ourselves that we were hiding. And I also realized now that there was some traumas that we experienced together in relationship that sort of prevented us from really going there and really getting more intimate and more close. But I felt like I was being more spiritual than him. I felt like I was learning more than him. I felt like I was growing more than him. I felt like I was just completely... We weren't on the same page. He wanted to watch sports on the weekend and drink beer and hang out with friends and then go to his job. I wanted to do all of these different things. So I found that our interests were changing. We had these different set of interests that weren't aligning anymore and it felt like we were growing apart. 
and it felt really uncomfortable. But in the end, you know, that relationship had to end. A lot of it was because of that. A lot of it was because I felt like what had originally started out as I was more spiritual or I was on my path actually became value-based differences. So what I was valuing in relationship and what I was valuing in my life and in myself was actually changing to his. So mine were probably the same for the first couple of years we were together. And then eventually I started to change where my values became freedom, sovereignty, you know, expression, creativity, and a lot of different things than his. And that's totally fine. You know, this is someone that found someone that has a value alignment, which is amazing. And I obviously did as well with my partner. And even in my relationship with my lovely sweetie honey pie. Justin, who I've been with for about 10 years, he was and is a part of my spiritual path and journey. And we got together when I was 25, I would say maybe 24 and 25. And I was very much in it. I was still in it. You know, I was still in my awakening process. I didn't feel there at all. And I was very attracted to him because he was always very much open to spirituality, his family. And in his family, it's always been very welcoming and open and they talk openly about spirituality. And his mom is amazing and she's a Reiki Reiki master. She's an angel reader, all of these things. So for him, it was very normal and natural. And I felt like I could have that spiritual freak flag fly and talk about all of the things. And he was so interested. And that was something and still is something to this day that is profoundly you know, connected for us that we're both very, very much interested in spirituality and the spiritual path. But later on in our relationship, because we've been together for so long, we've had so many evolutions of who we are. I've changed so much. He's changed so much. We've changed different opinions and views and perspectives. And there was a period in time, probably four years ago, maybe, where I felt like I was more spiritual than him. I felt like I wanted to meditate and go to sound baths. And I wanted to like, you know do all these things. And I was just feeling like I was the only one that was sort of propelling the growth of of our relationship. In my mind, that was what I perceived. And I felt like, you know, it was all of these things that he was doing of like being on his phone at night and, you know, whatever it is that he was playing video games or whatever was just so annoying to me because I was like, oh my God, how could you be doing that when this is when life is a video game, when we're all in this video game and you don't see and blah, blah, blah. And I used to drive myself crazy, you know, trying to get him to be on the same path of what I was doing and feel like I was losing him and he was losing me because I was so focused on the spiritual path and the spiritual journey. And you know, the law of one, which is a spiritual text that I teach about and I talk about a lot says that you can only provide catalysts for growth, but you cannot change people. So in relationship and in life, you can only provide the opportunity to grow for people, but you can never change people. Like People have to change through their free will. It also says that for those that are sleeping, you can only offer comforts for sleeping, which is also something that I think about as well, even though in this situation, Justin wasn't necessarily sleeping. But what I had to do, and this is what I've had to do in a lot of my relationships in my life was completely disengage from this need to and desire to control and change. So I had to really stop worrying about him and really just worry about myself. I had to completely take back all of my energy and really just bring it back home and be like, wow, I still have a lot to do here. There's a lot to do at home. Bring all of our energy home. 
We got a lot going on at home that we need to tend to. There's a lot of healing that needs to happen. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. There's a lot of loving that needs to be had. There's a lot of rest that needs to be had. So I needed to totally bring all of my energy back. And that has happened slowly over the past years. And it's actually been very funny because in the past two years, I would say, we've actually come to the place where Justin was very, very right about a lot of things. And he loves to make sure that I know that. But I was someone that was very staunchly believing a certain perspective, a certain view of life as you do at times because of the spiritual ego, which I'll talk about. And he was consistent in his views and his perspectives and his beliefs of people should be able to do what they want to do. And you know, we should love people as they are and all these different things. And I was a little bit more righteous. I was sort of in that righteous stage that we have of our spiritual ego development. And now I'm, we're completely back to like where we should be and where we... Um, where we're meant to be, where we feel so aligned on our beliefs and on our values and how we express our spirituality and how our spirituality is felt. And Justin has taught me so much about it because I'm someone that's a rebel, I'm kind of radical, and I can be righteous at times. And so in that process of being righteous and him being stable and consistent and loving and accepting, what's the more spiritual path and where does the ego come in? The ego comes into the righteousness. And a lot of times my ego can be expressed in my righteousness. So I had to realize that the I'm right and what I'm doing is right. And this is the best way is actually not spiritual. It's actually the ego. So what happens on our spiritual journey and on the journey that I'm sure a lot of you are on right now that you are just having your awakening, you're realizing all these things, you're seeing the world for what it is, Etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What happens when we start to spiritually seek and we start on our spiritual journey is our spiritual ego comes out. And I freaking love talking about the spiritual ego because the spiritual ego is so, so, so present. So present. So present in the world. So present online. So present on social media. And it's something that I have struggled with myself. When we start to have our awakening, the spiritual ego is found. And the spiritual ego is really that last version of our shape-shifting ego that is found or can be found potentially before an ego death. It's the ego that happens in our awakening. That's like, oh my God, okay. So we're not faking. We're not wearing a mask all the time. We're seeing things through the illusion. How could I, how could I continue to stay and exist. The ego is like desperate to stay and exist as you find your way on your path to your awakening. It's like, okay, what, what do I what do I have to do? Okay, I've got it. I'm gonna be addicted to spiritual learning. And I'm gonna be addicted to my spiritual path so much that everyone has to change and grow and everyone has to do it the way that I'm doing it. And I'm gonna be so addicted that what I'm gonna do is consume so much spiritual information and so much self-help information and so much wellness information that I'm going to basically have so much spiritual knowledge. I'm gonna be overwhelmed by spiritual knowledge and information that I'm going to associate that with my own spiritual progression. I'm going to acquire, this is the ego, I'm going to acquire so much spiritual information and knowledge and etc. without actually integrating it. So again, I'm staying out of the heart. This is the key. The heart is the key. I'm going to stay out of the heart and I'm going to stay in the mind. So the ego is like, okay, so we're awakening. How do I stay around 
how do I keep us out of our hearts? Because I know I'm not there. So I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to create the spiritual ego. And we can always know that we are not in the right place per se when we are in the mind instead of the heart. And the heart is always the heart is always the place. So the spiritual ego can also be seen and expressed on social media a lot where we have the righteousness of if you are spiritual, you need to be doing things this way. You need to follow this path. You need to do this thing. You need to read this book. You need to listen to me. You need to be voting how I say. You need to be eating how I say. You need to be expressing how I say. You cannot say this. You can say this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Much like a cult, kind of culty. But it's really the I'm right, you're wrong. Because of spirituality, I now, the ego, this is the ego, I now have a greater toolkit an understanding of ways that I can be right. So the ego hides within the spiritual the spiritual part of us. And so we have all this knowledge, we have all this spirituality, which is what you all are going through. You have all this information, you're reading all the books. And then we're like, how could we change people? And how can we take the attention off of me, my traumas, wounds, and my work and focus on other people? How can we try and change everyone around us instead of the most spiritual thing. Spirituality is actually the acceptance, the loving, and the surrender of wherever your partner is at this space-time nexus. And if we're talking about real spirituality, like not just methods or paths or mental beliefs or books or anything like that, what ultimately matters is how much we love and accept people regardless of where they are on their path and their differences. So if we look at Jesus, and I know I was, this was came up in another AMA where people were asking like, are you Christian now? And it's a valid question. I am not. I'm in my own little spiritual journey. But Jesus for me is a good example because Jesus is often referenced in the West. It's someone that we all can understand and know. And from my lineage, it seems like appropriate to reference Jesus as like the all loving Christ consciousness and like an ascended master. That's sort of what I see it as. But in the Bible, the most studied book of all time. I mean, come on, we can't ignore it. But with Jesus, we can see Jesus loves as is. And of course, in Miracles often talks about that. Your love people without wanting to change them. Ram Dass says, in our relationships, how much can we allow them to become new? And how much do we cling to what they used to be yesterday? So that is also very much happening where we have this like projection of them where we're like, they're not spiritual, they're not spiritual, they're not spiritual without allowing them to be something else or without allowing them to evolve or change or grow. And when we are thinking about true spirituality in, in paths and true loving understanding. And if we are moving to 5D, you know, 5D, unity consciousness or oneness, then we are on our path to find ways to see past our differences and love one another. So this is the whole thing. If your partner has the ability to love, if they have the ability to have an open heart, then they are innately spiritual. It may not be expressed the same as you. It may not mean that they're going to yoga five times a week and they're journaling and they're doing their shadow work and they're meditating and they're going to sound baths and they're dancing and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter what they believe or don't believe as long as they have an open heart with you. Say that again. If your partner has the ability to love, 
They are innately spiritual. And it is your job to see past your spiritual ego, to check in with that spiritual ego, to check in with that like, I think the excitement too. So there's the spiritual ego for sure. And whenever we think about ego, we're like ego, ego death, blah. But dude, our egos are dope. Like honestly, my ego is dope. And it loves that I say that, but it is really dope. It protects us. It creates this like beautiful experience of like this identity that we have. But there is the excitement too that I, I just want to acknowledge that we have when we have our awakening and we're on our spiritual path. And I've, I've felt that many times where I'm like, oh my God, the world is so beautiful and crazy and unique and special and vast and all of these things. So there is that excitement too that we have. So a lot of times we have the ego, but then we have this like beautiful excitement where we do truly in our hearts want people to experience this love that we have and people to experience this, the magic that, exists all over the world. And when we tap into that and we go past the veil and we feel the magic of all that is, there's nothing like it. And what we want in our hearts is for people to experience that. But then we kind of go beyond that. And we can also see that we are not in control of anyone's paths. And there is a metaphysical power of minding our own spiritual business and being with people on their path instead of forcing them on their path. So all that to say, if your partner can love and has an open heart, they are inherently spiritual. So I want to talk a little bit about the do's in relationship after explaining all of that. So what I would suggest for you to support you in this, because you know, I my heart goes out to you and I I totally understand. I think the very most important thing is to lead by example. So we're not preaching to convert people, which, oh my God, I've done that many times. I mean, cheese all peats. That's like used to be my fave thing. And it's actually very exhausting. So don't preach to convert them to doing whatever you're doing. And there's nothing more tiring than being with someone that's like, you sh- You have to drink celery juice in the morning. It is just... It will change your life. It is gonna, you know, glowing skin, good hydration. You're just like, oh my God, let me be me and let me experience my life how I want to. And I perceive from, the mas- from a perspective of the masculine and feminine that there's nothing that the masculine doesn't like more than being told what to do. The masculine is very much fed by freedom. And that is a part of them that really does not like for us to tell them what to do. And this is a tip. This is a huge relationship tip. Whenever I want Justin to do something, I very much do not tell him. I'm just like very casual. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. What do you think about this? And the more that I allow him to come to the decision himself and then like psychically convince him... (laughs) the better off we both are. But the masculine does not respond well. If you are in same-sex relationship, whatever kind of relationship you are, if you have a masculine partner, a masculine energetic signature partner, they do not want to be told to. So lead by example. Be someone that is so in your spirituality practice, so integrated in your spirituality practice that you are radiating, that you are vibrating and just your magnetic. Your magnetism will be all that anyone needs to draw them into your path or to keep them interested in your path. Just walk the talk. Do your thing, do your routines, connect with community, journal, be on your path. And I swear, if you are vibrating at a high level, if you are feeling good, if you are happy, if you are healthy, if you are all of these beautiful things, 
they will be curious about what you're doing and they will want to be on your path. The more I've let Justin express and be and find his own journey himself, the more he has come to me to join me on my journey or join us on our journey together. I would also really, really focus on the similarities between you and your partner. So this is similar to a gratitude practice where we are going to want to journal every day about three things we're grateful for, five things we're grateful for, 20 things, however many things you want to do. But you need to be continuing to find similarities and things you love about your partner, regardless of if they're on your spiritual path, the same spiritual path as you. We can all remember and think about people in our life when they've tried and forced us to do something. And then the people in our life that lead by example, when we see them shining, we see them happy, we see them fulfilled, we see them you know, finding spirituality to be a practice that's nourishing them rather than making them feel less than. And those people are usually more inspiring. So lead by example, don't preach to convert people. Alan Watts has this really beautiful quote about loving our enemies means loving them even if we disagree with them and even if they still remain our enemies rather than trying to convert them. And I really find that to be pretty applicable to this. So when we look for the similarities in our partner, we look for the ways in which we do connect, that we do have in common, that you know how, our, how we feel around them. That really can be the focus instead of all the way the ways in which we feel like we may not be aligned with them or we may not be on the same path or we may not be interested in the same spiritual things. When we're continuing to find and focus on similarities between ourselves and our partner, that will always lead us to expansion of those things and feeling much more aligned and connected. So I always try and do this within my relationship is finding the things that we're loving about them, finding the things that we find to be nourishing and special and unique and continue to find and focus on those beautiful similarities that you do have. I think this one is a huge one. And this one is finding a community and a group. I really love the book, Women Who Run With The Wolves. And in it, it doesn't talk a lot about relationships, but what it has really found... What has really found true about the text to me is how powerful and unique the connection of women, especially in groups is. So when we think about if you're a woman, if you're someone that identifies as a woman on your spiritual path, then you will find that nourishment in community. And for me, that has been incredibly helpful and powerful on my journey is having other women that I could really come together with and talk about all of the things that I was experiencing, that I was feeling spiritually, that I was needing, that I was desiring, that I was going through. And I find that there's a beautiful multidimensionality of women and the relationships that we have with women. And when we find that group, that aligned community, whether it's in our membership or whether it's outside of it in another space, there is a power of healing and connecting in community. So I found that I focused less on my relationship and having that be the spiritual nourishment for me. And when I found these other spiritually aligned people or this community that that I felt like I really connected with, that helped alleviate, alleviate a lot of the pressure. Because I was sort of getting my fix. I was feeling like I had a spiritual space to express or be or, you know, grow. And 
I was less focused on like making this part of my relationship be this spiritual thing that I had perceived it should be in my mind. So make sure that you're cultivating and finding community. We have a lot of episodes on female friendships and cultivating community. And then we also have our membership if you do need resources. But I do find that that has been incredibly powerful is focusing on what I can do personally to cultivate a beautiful community that I love that I feel like lets me express and be as spiritual as I want. I would also suggest that leveraging the spiritual practice of expressing your love and commitment and affection. And I find that in these situations when we are not feeling like we are being fulfilled spiritually or sexually or emotionally, all of these things, we tend to withhold love. You know, we withhold the love that we naturally give and it feels like a protective mechanism, but there's nothing less spiritual than the withholding of love. So regularly finding time to find yourself in a loving place where you feel like you're going to commit or just not commit, but share your love with someone and just share your affection and just be loving and playful because playfulness is spirituality and showing love is spiritual. So just finding the opportunity to really express your love and devotion to someone not only makes you feel better, makes them feel better, lends a space where there could be an opening where you have this heart-centered conversation or you find you make spiritual progress. I would also see your relationship as a spiritual practice. I've talked about this before, especially in marriage episodes that I did, but your relationship is such a great mirror for you and your partner is really your teacher. You know, as is everyone in life, as is everyone that we cross paths with, they are our teachers. But if we are committed to someone and if we are in relationship with someone and we are claiming to be spiritual, then we have to know that this relationship is also a spiritual ground. This is the spiritual ground which transformation happens. So this relationship is so important to your growth. And how if we are spiritual people, can we take the focus and onus off of them and come back home to ourselves and see this as like our spiritual growth opportunity or the opportunity for us to grow? And Ram Dass, again, has this really beautiful quote where he says, I think in relationships, you create an environment with your own work on yourself, which you offer to another human being to use to grow in the way they need to grow. You keep working. You become the soil, moist and soft and receptive. So the person can grow the way they need to grow because how do you know how they should grow? So when you become that beautiful moist soil for someone and you really focus on your own growth and you provide this beautiful foundation for someone else to grow, that's when the beauty happens because we don't know what their path is supposed to be. We only know what ours is. So if we're seeing this relationship as like an opportunity for us to grow, there's really nothing more for us to do but focus on our own growth. Another really important one is to honor what stage this person is at. So honor what stage your partner is at. And again, with the spiritual ego, not seeing yourself as more spiritually advanced or more awake or more woke or whatever your perception of that is, but honoring where they are because there's nothing less spiritual than feeling like you're better than someone because you have acquired knowledge about something, especially if it's unintegrated. So always make sure to honor whatever stage any person in life is at you know, as like the most Christ consciousness way. It doesn't mean they need to be in your space or it doesn't mean they need to have access to you. But we should be honoring whatever stage your partner is at. And we also can understand that your partner or the person that we're with might be more 
developed in some areas than we are. So we always think, you know, if I'm more spiritual and more advanced, I know all these things. And there could be places, although, you know, it's hard for us to believe that they are more advanced and they are more spiritually in tune or spiritually embodied than we are. And I found that in my relationship personally, where I felt like I was more spiritual, but in the end, Justin was definitely someone that was more integrated and more spiritual than I am. And his existence is just like a very spiritual practice. And it's also important just to meet each other at an equal level. So always come to a kindness, always come to um, a curiosity, always come to an acceptance of where they are and really honoring what stage they're at and holding that highest vision. You know, when we think about highest visions and the highest visions that we hold for ourselves and for our lives and for what we want, we should also be holding the highest vision for our partner and for their expression and for you know, the person that they're meant to be. And that doesn't mean we're controlling. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we're psychically <laughs> like manipulating them with their highest vision, but it means that we do hold the space for their highest timeline to be fulfilled, however that looks like. And even if that is not with us, even if that's with someone else, even if that's on another path, holding that highest vision for your partner. So the do's are leading by example, finding your community and group, focusing on similarities and things that you love about that person, seeing this relationship as your education in this like school of life, honoring what stage that partner is at, and then meeting them at you know the same level. And some don'ts. You know, we got to get some don'ts in here. And these are just suggestions as don'ts. They're not hard and fast. But I would very much suggest that we don't pressure them to adopt the same spiritual beliefs and practices that you have. You know, in my life, I've tried a lot of different things, a lot of different healing modalities, a lot of different even religious practices and books and, you know, teachers and all of this. And some has resonated with me and a lot hasn't. And who knows to say why that is, but we cannot push on someone the things that we find that work for us because there might not be things that work for them that work for us. And that's actually the beautiful part of life is how different and unique we all are. So do not deprive them of their own empowered choice and their own empowered expression of figuring out what that is. You know, Justin, as an example, he loves sacred geometry. He loves Egypt. He loves the pyramids. He loves like these really cool, unique expressions of spirituality that I'm not that interested in, but we can come together and kind of have these unique, interesting conversations about how and what he's learning and then what I'm learning and sort of how we can embody these different learnings instead of just like intellectualizing them. So definitely don't pressure your person to adopt whatever religious beliefs that you have because then that becomes dogma. Dogma ain't it. And I think one of the most important things is to not compare and really get this like idea of what a spiritual partner looks like. And we're looking at all these spiritual couple Instagrams and they're like doing ayahuasca together and they're in Costa Rica and they're like naked bathing and they're just like doing all of this quote unquote spiritual stuff. When we get lost in these fantasies and these ideals of like what a spiritual relationship should be, and we're looking on Instagram and we're looking at these relationships and these long captions and da 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 da, we are really setting ourselves up in our lives for disaster. You know, we know this as a personal, from a personal perspective, when we're comparing, it never sets us up for success, but we should not ever have the toxic belief that our relationship should look like someone else's. And 
we see someone else as spiritual and we want to be as spiritual as them. That sort of comparison is also the ego. So it's our spiritual ego that's making us feel less than, that's making us feel like we need to do it their way. And that sort of expression that we know doesn't feel good. And it wouldn't feel good if your partner would come to you like, oh my God, you need to be more like this person or you need to be more like this person. That doesn't feel good for anyone. So be very, very, very careful. If you find yourself wanting your partner to be more spiritual or on the spiritual path, maybe have a second, like, who am I comparing to? Like, is there these spiritual couples online that I'm thinking that we should be like? Or what is that feeling? Because that can very well happen where we aren't accepting our partner as they are. We're not accepting the flaws. We're not accepting the differences. You know, we're not accepting the strengths even. And we're just looking at the places in which we're not that Instagram spiritual couple online. So that's huge. I would also work on not harboring this negative judgment or like a critical attitude towards them. And I think this happens because we have a critical attitude and judgment of ourselves before we were awakened. And when I was you know, getting ready for this interview, I just had that thought and I was like, Oh my God, that's it. Because I was wondering about our feeling of being critical of our partner, our feeling of being resentful to our, towards our partner when we're in the situation. I was like, Oh my gosh. How is that about us? How is that about me in that situation? And I thought about myself before I was awakened, before I was conscious, and I'm doing quotes. And I had judgments about myself. You know, I felt like I was like, oh my gosh, like, oh, how embarrassing. What a loser. What was she doing? Like, just freaking at the mall all day at the tanning bed. Such a loser. But whenever we are judging someone else about something, it is a judgment we have made about ourselves. So, how can we not harbor negative judgment, forgive our inner child, forgive ourselves, forgive? you know, our souls forgive us on the path for not having it be this like awakened, beautiful moment, this like special conscious journey, but forgive the sleeping self that we had. And how can we also not have a critical attitude and harbor any judgments towards our partner? Because they are also on their journey, just like we all are. And the most important thing, this is something that I'm very proud that I do very, very well, almost to a fault, (laughs) is to not rely exclusively on your partner for all of your spiritual nourishment. So your partner should definitely nourish you spiritually. Their love should make you feel good. It should be a part of you. And it should very well be that great, great teacher for you. But find other ways to spiritually nourish yourself. If that is your practice, if that is meditation, if that is reading, if that is church, if that is your relationships, if that is women's circles, whatever it is, find other ways to spiritually nourish yourself. And I have found that through spiritual texts that I really love, through my meditation practice, through community and friends that I know I can count on, that I know that I can be in the spiritual expression or have these spiritual conversations or feel like my most spiritual self with. And when we find ourselves nourished in that way and seen in community and seen in the ways that we want outside of our relationship, it takes a lot of pressure off. So I think this is like a really huge part that we take the burden off of our partner to be this like guru for us, to be this like spiritual being that they may not be right now. And with the don'ts, those don'ts were don't get lost in the comparison and the ideals of what you think it should be. Be careful about harboring criticism for someone or judgment or resentment because their path doesn't look like yours. Be careful to not pressure your partner to adopt the same spiritual beliefs that you have. Did you know that the drugs we take to manage period cramps were invented in the 1950s and exclusively tested on men? (laughs) What? It's literally outrageous that there hasn't been more innovation when it comes to periods. 
Deloon is changing that with dietitian formulated solutions that relieve our symptoms while actually supporting cycle health. Because our cycles affect every aspect of our wellness, period pain, mood, sleep, skin, metabolism, energy, and more. I, I don't know about you, but you know, some some months I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything has to stop, but it really can't because I'm experiencing, you know, really bad cramps or headaches, fatigue, you, bloating, you name it. I've really tried a lot of things and while I think I've gotten most of my symptoms under control, it doesn't mean they still don't happen and kind of disrupt my flow. So I was really excited to find Deloon and recommend it to a lot of my friends. And they have been absolutely loving it. I was talking to a friend the other day that experienced like really, really bad periods, cramps, and just all these symptoms. And she was so happy uh, to try Deloon. She's noticed that her symptoms have subsided. They don't last as long. They're not as intense. And she can really just be in her life, which is really nice. So Deloon Nutritional Solutions are dietitian formulated to work with your cycle health, not against it. It'll help you all month long while also relieving your cramps and PMS during your period. Deloon creates effective drug-free supplements for period cramps, PMS, and optimal cycle health. So you can get the relief you need naturally, which I'm all about, and start feeling like your best self. So if you want high-potency, fast-acting supplements for your period cramps, PMS, and really getting your cycle health in its prime top condition, like 92% of their customers report that relief, try Deloon. Leave bad periods behind and start the new year off with 23% off. Go to cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. If Deloon isn't the right match for you, your money back is guaranteed. That's cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. I want to say that it is possible that you could have a healthy, loving relationship where you see each other and it may not be right for you. You know, this also could be the case that your core needs are not being met. And this is honey where I say it might be something that you might not want to continue or pursue. So if you absolutely feel in your heart of hearts that you need a partner who is on the same page as you spiritually, and this is one of your core needs, you have to pay attention to that. Over time, your core needs change. Your core needs may evolve and grow just as you're evolving and growing. But if you believe that in your heart of hearts that your partner needs to be on the same exact page as you spiritually, then you have to pay attention to that core need. And that is something that you will have to make as a decision. And that will lead you to a really powerful portal for spiritual transformation. So you will get both the confidence that you've followed your path in your soul. And then you will get a very hard time of the breakup period, which is a very powerful portal for spirituality. So you are super dedicated if you are doing that. But I have to say that this is something that only you know. So you could listen to this podcast. You could talk to every psychic. You could talk to all your friends. Only you know if this person is right for you. And in your heart, you will know. And I've had that experience with every single person you know, before I met Justin that this person was not for me in my heart of hearts. And even if we stayed together for too long or whatever it was, 
you have to pay attention to that. You have to listen to that. So if a core need is that they're on the same page as you spiritually, then you have to make the decision for yourself. And I will say that there are you know, red flags that I think a lot of us need to look out for and, and just be mindful of. Be mindful of the things that I don't think are a part of the spiritual lesson that you need to learn in this and things that the higher worth self or the higher worth choice would not be. So some red flags would be when your partner's criticizing you and your spiritual practice and your spiritual beliefs and they try and prevent you from pursuing your spiritual path. You know, however that may look, they don't want you to pursue a spiritual path or they criticize your spiritual expression where they make fun of you. You know, they might make fun of you and your spiritual practice and it makes you feel shame and it makes you feel guilt and you feel stupid. Maybe they get angry at you when you dedicate time to your spirituality. You know, maybe they feel neglected and maybe they feel like it really bothers them. It could be something where you feel like you have to hide. You know, you have to hide yourself, you have to hide parts of you, you feel like you can't express fully. I think that's a red flag, you know, that you may need to look at. You also may feel pressured to believe or follow what your partner believes. You know, maybe they're very religious and you um, maybe once were, and now you're sort of seeing the other side of it and you're wanting to move more towards a spiritual path in general rather than a religious path and might not be aligned anymore. And they could be pressuring you to believe or follow what they believe. And maybe you're scared of talking about your spirituality or your spiritual practice because they could judge you or they... Um, you know, aren't kind to you. Maybe they, um, you know, give you an ultimatum where it's it's you or their spirituality, and they're making you choose between the two. So there are a lot of red flags that you know could potentially come up in this journey, and there are also, and there is also very importantly, a scale of unconsciousness and both consciousness. So in my awakening, I had points where I was like, oh, I'm conscious. And oh my gosh, I look back now, I'm like, baby, you were not conscious. You were something else. And then also when we're looking at our unconsciousness or an unconscious person, there's a scale. So there's unconsciousness that shows up as um, numbing or you know, rudeness or lack of care for themselves. And then there is unconsciousness that shows up as abuse and that shows up in ways that are absolutely not needing to happen in your life or need to be addressed. That is all I will say about that. But I want to make sure that that's very clear that we are not talking about someone that is not spiritual in the way where they are so unconscious where abuse is happening or things that are happening that absolutely um, need to be addressed within your life. And as a final thing, what I want to really leave you all with, you know, in this conversation is just just some love for you, you know, some love for you and some respect for choosing to live a life where you feel like you're making the most conscious choice and you're choosing to always look at yourself and you are doing the dance of being very attached to your growth, but also being unattached. And you are choosing to see people as the love that they are and as the expression that they are. And you are hopefully taking this information and having a conversation with your spiritual ego, doing a little dance with your spiritual ego to remind yourself that 
it is not spiritual to judge and it is not spiritual to make people feel less than and it is not spiritual to be in the I'm right and you're wrong. And essentially when we're in that, we're still in duality. So as we ascend past all of this, we have to remember that the most spiritual thing is love. So love is something that is inherently spiritual. And if your partner is someone that can love and can love with an open heart and is aligned with your core values, like I talked about, which I think may need to be defined by you after this very clearly, then it's something that you know. hopefully you can work on to find a place where you are more aligned on your journey. Okay. I hope you're feeling good. I'm feeling really good. I really loved talking to you about this. I really loved having this conversation. I'm hopeful that the do's and don'ts were helpful. I'm hopeful that the information about the spiritual ego was helpful. A little bit of information about my life. And then talking a little bit about the red flags that need to be addressed in your relationship or with a therapist or um, within yourself. But we have to remember that all of this work is within us. And when we really focus on us and we you know, have the beautiful practice of spiritually minding our own business to focus on our most aligned path and journey, everything will eventually fall into place for us so that we feel like we are living this like beautiful life and love of expression. So I love you so much. Thank you for tuning in. I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank Krista. you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into Almost 30. Again, that was a solo that I did about relationships. There are a lot of other solo episodes that Lindsay and I have done. If you want to hear about body acceptance, if you want to hear about perfectionism, about enmeshment, whatever topic that you feel like you want to dig in deeper with Lindsay and I, you can also hear those episodes on Almost 30 if you search our names and then Almost 30. But make sure you're subscribed. And if you would please write a review, that would be so kind. I feel like so many of you share these loving, amazing messages with us in the DM. And if you would take that over to iTunes, that would help (laughs) us out a lot. So would really love a kind review for the pod if you could. Thank you all. We appreciate you. We love you. We hope you have a beautiful rest of your week and just look out for new episodes from us every single week. And what makes this podcast possible is our partners. They are just some of the most incredible heart-centered conscious brands. Uh, So for this episode, we thank Four Sigmatic, Nutribullet, Pressed Bouquet, Clear Stem, and Bev for all discount information. And we're approaching the holidays that you want to take advantage of all these discounts. Go to our show notes or almost30.com and you can scroll down and click on partners. Thank you all. We'll see you next time. See you soon.